the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Hello and welcome to the USL show. I know it's been a chaotic year for all of us here. All of us have had a lot of life stuff happening, so we really do apologize for not being able to put out a show on a regular basis like we always want to. But it is the playoff season, so we are here to talk about the playoffs. I am Pony. With me is Alan. What up? I'm excited. It is... uh playoff season my local club is in the playoffs which makes it even more special uh, but there's a lot of really cool matchups uh, both east and west that i can't wait to see uh, what goes down yeah i talked about your team making it that's a cheap shot against me i think at this point <laughs> but also with me is someone who doesn't even have a team anymore welcome to ryan it'll be an exciting playoffs and Despite not having a team, I am shocked at the number of USL games I was able to attend. Despite my nearest market team being four hours away, I was able to see two USL games in person this year, which was pretty exciting. But obviously plenty more to be watched on ESPN+. Plus. Yep. Well, and like we've all been saying, it's, it's playoff season. And we have our 16 teams. Some are more of a surprise than others for both being there and not being there i guess we could actually probably run down the one bigger news or a few bigger news that we had i think one is charleston battery is parted with their coach anhauser anhauser i'm gonna pronounce that wrong but but he has been one of the most consistent figures in the usl in a very long time and to see him moving on I mean, I think he should be grabbed by some other USL team because he is, I think he still has a lot of talent, even though Charleston's long running playoff streak is over. I, I'd love to see some team grab him for the next season. He'll absolutely find a job somewhere else in USL. He's one of the longest tenured coaches in lower division soccer. It would honestly be a crime if he's not coaching somewhere in U.S. soccer next season. Yeah, any team kind of maybe looking for an upgrade, maybe someone who kind of barely missed out on the playoffs who needs that little bit of boost, uh, I, I think picks him up. Um, you know, we, we saw, um, what is his name? I can't even think of his name anymore. Um, left Louisville early in the season. He ended up with uh, St. Louis. Uh, so I can also see a, uh, a developmental side, maybe like a, an academy guy giving a chance to, to give him somewhere to land, working in an MLS system maybe, uh, and as he works his way back into a head coaching position. But for sure, he's should be sought over, well-respected, well-liked. Uh, and he was one of the reasons why I thought uh, Charleston would be in the top 10 of my pre- preseason pick. And uh, clearly I was wrong. Uh, but a, a coach like that really you know, inspires confidence in a team going into the, the next season. 
Send him to a team like Indy 11. Mm, yeah, or Sacramento even. Something like that. I mean, it's one of those where for people who have not been watching the USL for too long, for if only come in the last few years, he is pretty much a legend in the coaching position. It's almost... I mean, granted, we have Lily Ball is probably the most biggest legend in coaching for USL, but I think Anheuser is probably the second most respected and most tenured and the coach that we all just think is so talented and even with one really not good year, deserves another chance. Yeah, some uh, some other fun news. Me being a union thug, if you will, uh, is the USL CBA. Uh, more and more information is coming out. I know that they put out um, Jeff Ruder put out something um, pretty early when they came to an agreement, and now that it's been ratified, uh, there's lots of good information. There was a pretty good uh, article I think came out this morning, maybe yesterday, uh, that really kind of breaks it down. If you're interested in those details, um, I'm I nerded out about it a little bit. I think that there might be some there's definitely some pluses. There might be some drawbacks that people might not be super happy with. Uh, I think they found some player, um, the uh, their uh, agents weren't super happy with some of the language uh, in, in some of it. But uh, anytime you can create a floor for pay uh, and expectations for the team, I think it is super important. And this just kind of further legitimizes the USL. Uh, and then it, it helps players uh, maintain player safety and transparency with the league. So I am stoked. Yeah, I mean, I must absolutely agree. I think the biggest part is you're increasing the leg- legitimacy of the league. There are so many leagues across the country and the world and all these different nations that anything the USL could do to make them look better could only serve to benefit them as a whole. I mean, if you have some journeyman player or some young person looking if they want to play in the second tier of Croatia or the second tier of the U.S. and the contracts here are just going to be better due to the CBA, that's going to get them here and attract more talent and make the league better. I mean, that to me, it's great that the players are going to, you know, have more benefits, get paid better and all these type of things. But as a fan, too... This is only going to make the USL a more competitive league on a, on not only a national, but on an international basis. And if it means that we just draw one or two people who are very, very good and would otherwise never bother to even talk to a team in the USL, that's a win. And this is something that is uh, beyond lower division soccer, that it's something USL has basically championed and has become one of the first leagues within this country in lower division soccer to set forth. And this will also set the bar for USL League One. And it just further sets USL apart as a team across the world, like Alan had mentioned, that it just makes them all that much more attractive of an option for teams to go to. Yeah, I mean, overall, it's just one of those things that you love to see. I mean, as a fan, as a supporter of the players, as all these things, this to me shows the health of the league moving forward. And that is one of the most important things as we have another departure from the league and Austin Bold appears to be done for the time being. They're not going to be coming back to the USL Championship at least next season. This almost seemed like kind of a writing on the wall once once Austin FC came in and 
Like I was watching the United States Grand Prix the other weekend, and you saw the track. You saw the field right outside the track where they were doing the Formula One race, and it was being used as like a concert venue. That and you saw from Mike Pendleton's attendance figures that it wasn't fantastic, especially compared to what Austin FC was being able to draw for their season, as dismal as it has been, but. We knew for a while that this was probably going to be the ultimate future. I feel for everyone at Austin Bold, it's never great to see a team not be able to succeed, and I always want to have a success for everyone. We'll see what the future of the franchise is. There are rumors that it could be ending up in Fort Worth with its own soccer-specific stadium up there, but for the time being, Austin Bold is departing from USL. You just have to hope that that's the best-case scenario at the end. Um you know, Fort Worth is a is a pretty large area. Uh, they have um, maybe a little, a few more fans to pull from, um, and you hope a lot of the people who worked in the front office uh, can find a place. Because uh, obviously, when clubs fold, it's you know players on the pitch, uh, but it's front office people, it's people who work for the club, uh, even people who who you know sell kits at the store or whatever. Um, all those people are now kind of out of you know a job, and you know you gotta hope that. The team finds its place, those players find their place, and the people who work for them uh, find their spot as well. Yeah, I mean, we wish all the best for not only the players to find new clubs to play at, but also all the and all the staff, the coaches, the trainers, the social media people, the sales people, all of them. They are going to have basically no job starting now as the season's over. So... It's never something we want to see, and when a club folds, it's more than players having to pick up and move to another club. It's everyone else involved, and that's why we want the stability in the USL, because it's not only players who could go sign a new contract in another state and be playing in another team in a few months. It's all these families that are going to have their foundations shaken because of whatever happens in this case. MLS comes to town, and the USL team doesn't really have a viable chance to fight against them for attendance so everyone in Austin we're hoping you land on your feet and I guess the other USL news is Queensboro FC who was originally supposed to start playing next year is now pushing back to starting in the 2023 season with everything being the way it is in the world still it's not the most surprising news in the world but it's still something to keep everyone updated on because this is, again, another team who is no longer going to be trying to sign players and hire people. So it's not quite the same scenario as Austin, but it's still a void that now exists where we expected more players and more staff and all these guys to get a chance. Yeah, you hope this isn't, like, bad news. Um, you hope this is just a hey, we want to make sure we're getting started in an environment where we can welcome fans in uh, and build that fan base back up again. Because even if you saw some of the attendance figures from some of these established clubs already, it you know it took um, a little bit of a dip this year anyway. And so if you're trying to start a franchise out, it might be better uh, to wait until you feel uh, very good about it. Um, so hopefully it ends with, hey, we are actually going to actually have a team. Uh, so hopefully they just don't found, found and then disappear. Yeah. 
So we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping to come to the league. I'm hoping they, they do well. But, I mean, I mean, guess welcome to the USL. It's fun. But let's move in to what you are probably here for if you're listening to this. Playoff soccer. We have what the group said are the best 16 teams matching up. And we'll start out in the east with the number one team. Tampa Bay Rowdies will be hosting FC Tulsa. And this is kind of an interesting one. I think Tulsa is very up and down. I mean, when they show up, they are actually a very talented team. But I think Tampa Bay should be winning this one without too much of an issue. Yeah, I mean, FC Tulsa enters this game with just one loss and a positive goal differential of just one, but Tampa Bay should have zero problem with going up against FC Tulsa. Tampa Bay was the most dominant team this year, winning the uh, best regular season record, whereas FC Tulsa is, per my ELO ratings, like barely snuck in above an average rating this year. And with Tampa being at home, I feel like they should have more than enough to get by into the next round. Yeah, Tulsa uh, is up against a team that has one draw, two losses at home, and has only allowed 10 goals in 16 games at home. Uh, Tulsa, on the other hand, has a negative goal differential on the road and has only won five out of 16. Um, you know, it, it's soccer, so anything can happen, and it's USL soccer, so definitely anything can happen. Uh, but I think uh, this is a, you know, 95%. I would say, you know, this game played 95 times. Tulsa might get a result in five of them. And by result, maybe like a draw or an extra time or some PKs. But this is, I think, Tampa Bay's to lose. And I think that they're they're going to come away. I don't think we... It would be probably one of the biggest shocks in the first round if uh, Tampa Bay got eliminated. Uh, so, yeah, I think this one's a, a pretty t- heavy favorite Tampa Bay. I, mean, I think I think you're kind of overlooking a bit for how good for how good uh, Tulsa is. I mean, they they split the season series with Louisville, so it's like they're not a complete. They're not one of those teams that's just not good. But I really think that I mean Tampa Bay should win, but I don't think it's more like it was 95-5. I mean, I think it's more like 70-30, maybe even 60-40 if Tulsa really shows up with their good team. But we'll, I mean, we'll see. I mean, Tampa should. If Tampa doesn't win this one, that's going to be a very that will be a shock. But I don't think it actually would be the biggest shock of the first round to me. I mean, the potential opponent of this match would be a very competitive game between two fairly even teams from this season: uh, Birmingham Legion and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Yeah, this is the one as kind of a someone who doesn't pay attention to the East as much as the West, just because of where I live. Uh, this one to me is is the most fascinating because it is kind of like I don't want to say like new money versus old money. Uh, that's kind of how uh, Birmingham has been kind of this for me the surprise team of the season. Maybe I mean Charlotte is clearly uh, up there as well, um, but this is going to be a fun one to watch because uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, playing on the road, um, you know, we mentioned Lily Ball before, um, is going to be a good team on the road. They're going to, you know, play the game they're going to play. Um, Birmingham's been pretty good at home as well. 
Uh, four out of the five last games uh, were all wins at home. Uh, but this is going to be super fascinating. I think Birmingham uh, has what they need to do to be able to beat Pittsburgh. Uh, but it's I, I think it boils down to can Pittsburgh put on that defensive display that they are known for um, against uh, you know um, a pretty high-powered offense. Yeah, and I think the interesting part for this Birmingham-Pittsburgh game is that Birmingham is kind of playing in the same vein as Pittsburgh is, where they are a good defensive team. I mean, they they can score, they have their moments, but Birmingham is kind of in the old-school Pittsburgh-Charleston vein to me, where they look very similar, where if Birmingham is giving up two goals, they're not going to win a game. They don't have the talent to be able to win 3-2, but they have all the talent to win 1-0 or 2-1. And this is, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think this is going to be a very defensive, grinded-out game. I mean, if you want to watch, if you love defensive soccer and you could only watch one game this week, it's Birmingham and it's, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's this game. It is Birmingham playing Pittsburgh because if, it's, if some team scores two goals, they win to me. If someone scores twice, they've won this game. So it's not going to be the 7-0 replay of uh the 2019 playoff match i believe it was a playoff match the seven nil drumming uh from 2019 yeah that was i think that's a weird one wasn't it like birmingham beat north carolina huge first round then pittsburgh just destroyed birmingham second round or something like that Overall, that could be to me. That could be one of the fun games to watch because it's it's just two teams with a similar mentality and who's going to be able to match up better and who's going to I think whoever whatever coach game plans better wins this game. I mean, this is to me probably the closest game of the of the week. Bottom half of the uh, Eastern Conference bracket are two of the really surprise packages of the season with Charlotte Independence and Memphis. Yeah, I don't think I yeah, had who whoever had these two teams playing, not only both making the playoffs, but being a th- two and three seed. Yeah, I, I, I think starting the year, you could probably say Charlotte could get like an outside chance, but certainly not hosting a playoff game. Right. Especially, I mean, Charlotte's home record has been really good. One point behind Tampa Bay. Uh, so I, I think this is. You know, they're clearly, I mean, I shouldn't say clearly, they're they are the favorite for this team, for this game. Um, this is one that I almost hope that they didn't match up because you kind of want to see them uh, both have a chance to move on and kind of root for that underdog. Uh, you know, Charlotte's been, you know, clearly documented, have has had some, uh, a ton of off-field issues and stuff surrounding the team. Uh, so it's even more surprising that they're where they are with having to kind of rally uh, around some of those issues. And maybe it, it helped uh, solidify the locker room where it's just kind of we're going to focus on us. We're going to come together and we're going to we're going to play the way we're going to play. Um, but, yeah, it's this is like the the sweetheart first season uh, first round matchup where, you know, you, you're you're not mad. Whoever wins this one, um, unless you're a Charlotte or a Memphis fan, I think. You know, as a USL neutral looking at this match, uh, it's it's nice that one of these teams is going to make uh, the next round. Uh, and you know, for all of the gruff that Charlotte's been getting, um, 
maybe people were rooting for them. Uh, but Memphis 901, uh, the area code FC, um, is a nice little story too. I think one of the biggest things to look out for with this game is just kind of the red-hot form that Charlotte's been on entering this match. They're unbeaten in their last at least five games, and their last defeat was to Birmingham on September 26th on the road. They have basically been on fire in their form, and they have yet to be shut out in a game since Tampa Bay did it on August 28th. This team is really entering this game on a strong line of form. Yeah, Charlotte's won 10 of 12 games entering this match. So they are very much the team who is hot, but that's not all you need to win a game. Especially when you look at it, they have won out of those 10 games, there's only been two of them against playoff teams. So they've been beating up on the teams they should be beating up on. And here comes Memphis, who to me is still the surprise of the season. I mean, we see, I mean, Charlotte, yeah, was maybe a playoff team, but I don't think I even considered Memphis as being a playoff team. I think, I, I, like, at best, I thought they'd be the fifth seed. And, well, fifth seed mean they are going to miss playoffs. Yeah, Memphis last year had finished the same points as Sporting Kansas City 2, uh, a Miami FC team who did not play well and one point ahead of Baby Bulls. So, yeah, the, even talking about the turnaround uh, of the season or the between last season and this season, I, yeah, yeah, you're right, for sure. And I think that will cover the East, if I got my games all correct here. We forgot, so we'll uh, move on to... We need to do... We missed one? Lowell versus Miami. Oh. Sorry, the Miami. Which is actually an interesting game. I mean, I mean, Miami is another one of those teams that's a lot better than I thought they were going to be this year. And I think Miami this... They still fourth, and yeah, and Louisville, the perennial powerhouse takes the central division but not the overall east championship but we'll see how this shakes out yeah, this is uh i think miami is what everyone thought they were probably going to be last season and so i think people were overhyped last year and maybe underhyped this year um they didn't want to get bit again by the the miami fc bug but um you know miami fc maybe a little bit shocking that they're fourth um but uh, in a really tough, you know, Eastern Conference, uh, where you have, um, you know, Charlotte playing really, really well, and then you have Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. So, you know, that fourth place team, uh, Miami, maybe in another division, ends up uh, a little bit higher. Um, but this should be a very interesting because this is the first time they played. Yes, little little wool, wool in Miami. I don't think you've had anything head to head. Uh, so two teams that are, are new to each other uh, should be a fun one. At least the first time this year. Yeah. But, yeah, I think the only problem I have for Miami is they're just not a good road team. I mean, they, for the most part, have just not done well. They have two wins against playoff teams on the road this year, and going to Louisville, who... I mean, granted, they have not looked quite as good as they have been in the last few years where they were basically the favorite to easily make it to the finals in the East. They have not quite looked like that Louisville, but they're still close enough to that Louisville where Miami on the road, I just don't quite trust, even if I think Miami is better than the fourth seed. 
I mean, neutral ground. I don't have a problem saying you're going to take Miami over either Pittsburgh or Charlotte, who are above them in their group. Yeah, I mean, Miami's coming out of arguably the toughest playoff race. Uh, All of these teams were at at least 54 points, and you had the season champion in Tampa Bay out of this division. I just think Louisville, they know what they're doing. They've they've clearly dominated the Eastern Conference playoffs for as long as they've been a team within this league. If anything trips them up, it's going to be Tampa Bay. But Louisville knows what they're doing when they get to this point of the season. Yeah. So uh, that brings us. Yeah. So we'll. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, the, I guess the old guard Louisville if they're able to hang around or not in this new, with some of these new challenges because we've seen a couple old guard teams drop off over the last year or two. But moving into the West, we'll start with El Paso hosting Oakland, which is. Probably not going to be much of a match, but could be interesting one since El Paso is at times a little squirrely. And Oakland really kind of uh, played themselves back into playoff contention. Uh, you have to give that team a, a lot of love for essentially, you know, mid-season everyone was like, oh, they're dead in the water. They're just going to be, you know, them in Vegas. They're going to be bottom dwellers of the Pacific. Uh, and they really kind of put on a run at the end. Uh, took advantage of some teams kind of scuffling at the end uh, to work their way in surprisingly to fourth place. Like I think if you looked at Tacoma, L.A., um, Sacramento and Oakland, I don't think anyone would have picked Oakland to sneak into that fourth position, um, you know, for uh, like a month, two months ago, maybe. Uh, but, you know, they put on a good run of farm They're They believe in themselves. Um, they're they're feisty. But uh, I, I think maybe a little bit overmatched on the road against an El Paso team that uh, essentially doesn't lose at home. Not only just yeah, against an El Paso team, but to me against a team who is good. I mean, Oakland has three wins against playoff teams all year long. I mean, that's going against the number one seed. That's not what you want to see. Yeah, this Oakland team is entering the playoffs right now as my lowest-ranked team in the Lou ratings. At one point in the year, they were down as low as what like New York Red Bulls to and Charleston finished the year at at the moment. But I, it's just kind of tough to see how they're going to get by this El Paso team. This Oakland team faced a lot of very difficult situations this year in terms of just getting their home stadium built up, the turf field, but El Paso is just a very strong team. Even if they have faltered a bit at home this year, they still are strong enough that they should grind out a result and move on to the next round. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. El Paso locomotive at home, zero losses. Oakland on the road, Yeah, I mean- four wins. Yeah, I mean, I think El Paso is not quite as strong as everyone thinks they might be. And, I mean, that's me being someone who always liked El Paso the last few years. But I think they might be a little bit vulnerable, but I don't think Oakland's going to want to exploit that. For sure. So, next one. Orange County will be hosting Colorado Springs. And Colorado Springs came out of absolutely nowhere to me this year. 
to be this good. They Evan should be thrilled. <laughs> That's what they ask Evan. Bethlehem of the West. Yeah, I mean, this was a team who just... I mean, <laughs> I can't really think of enough. I mean, they scored 61 goals. Carl Hatter Spring scored 61 goals. Yeah, they they looked decent. I think the 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 knock on Colorado Springs is kind of how they finish the season. Um, maybe not as strong as they started. Just one one of their last yeah. five. And Orange County has gone through a, a one hell of an end to this season. They've had five consecutive wins. Yeah, and they fired their coach mid season. Um, I, I think the knock on Orange County is their home record is not great. Um, it's uh, where am I? There, I'm 25 points in 16 games. That puts them even with Oakland Roots and Austin Bold. Um, only a positive plus one goal differential. Uh, so not the best home record, uh, but their form as of late has been pretty good. They've been kind of sneaking out some wins. Uh, maybe not the most dominant wins. One nil, one nil, one nil, two one, one nil, and those five wins. So it's not like they're burying teams um, but those wins came against Phoenix uh, another one against or- uh, San Diego and then an important one against Galaxy to secure that second place um, I think this one's closer than it seems like on paper um, and, but I, I, I think just based on kind of form Orange County I think can get this one done um, but I, I think if Barry can re- find his form from earlier in the season uh, then OC is going to have their hands full, but OC's form has just been really good lately. Yeah, and but, Orange County won the single season, meeting 2 0 over switchbacks back in July. Yeah, I think that's my biggest fear for Colorado Springs is they have only beat one playoff team this entire year, which was RGV, who they beat three times. Apart from that, they've won three of 16 games against playoff teams. And if you remove RGV, they have won 0 of 15. Or 0 of 14, because RGV beat them once. So that is a major red flag to me. I think Orange County should take care of them. But again, it is the playoffs. And anything could happen for any matchup. But I think Orange County is a pretty safe bet. Because Colorado Springs does not have a good defense. They are the worst defense in the West that made it into the playoffs. And are they worst overall? Uh, they are tied for worst overall defense with Tulsa. So that is defense does defense is important for the USL in playoffs. If you have a, a defense that is allowing a goal in half a game, you are not going to go far. Yeah, don't disagree. Um, All right, let's move on to San Antonio and San Diego. Yeah, I think this we spent that a good time. Might be best to talk <laughs> about this one. <laughs> yeah, we like literally right before we started recording this one, we were recording with uh, with Harry uh, talking about San Antonio and San Diego, and it's essentially kind of two teams that have very similar seasons, kind of up and down, lot some success, some not success, uh, trouble finishing for both teams. Uh, they, I think we looked at the stats. They average, they both average one point six goals per game. San Diego gives up 1.3, and I think San Diego, San Antonio gives up 1.2 per game. Um, 
uh, contrasting styles as well. San Diego is going to try and play possession. San Antonio is going to try and uh, nip some counters. I think San, San Antonio's had like 24 counterattacks to San Diego's six. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting battle of styles. Uh, I think both of those teams play into each other's strengths. Uh, and this should be a, a pretty interesting chess match is on the on the wings, the wing players versus the wing backs. Uh, uh, Ryan, I know you put in that you know the San Antonio is pretty heavily favored here against San Diego. I don't doubt that, especially uh, if Josh Yarrow does not start for San Diego, uh, opens up some problems in the back line. Uh, my heart says that San Diego can pull this one out. Because uh, San Antonio has been known to play inconsistent, but San Diego is not coming into this. They're coming in very much like Colorado Springs. Uh, not a good run of form, uh, giving up some late goals. Uh, although uh, you did like to see Awasa score in his last game uh, to celebrate in front of the home fans. You do love to see that. Um, but in a game that really didn't matter at that point because Orange County had won. Um, or they hadn't won yet, but they were going to win. Uh, so I, I, I do think, you know, as a, if I was a neutral, I would definitely favor San Antonio. But, you know, part of my heart says, you know, there's, you know, there's a chance. We're, uh, we're Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber. We're saying there's a chance. Yeah. I mean, to yeah, me, San, San, oh, go for it. I was going to say San Antonio's last four home games, uh, all of, or sorry, three of which came against playoff teams, they're unbeaten in. Yeah, I mean, and to me, San Antonio is my kind of dark horse. I mean, not a great, not a. I mean, they're not that big of a dark horse, but if we have a team who is not your Tampa Bay, your Louisville, your Phoenix, it's one of ones. I think it's going to be San Antonio because they have so much talent, and I think they could easily string together these few wins they need to take it all. Yeah, I think I said if if San Antonio or San Diego score two goals, I think that's going to be enough. I think if San Diego gets or San Antonio gets to two, it's going to be fine. If San Diego gets to two, then there's probably some problems for San Antonio, and that might, you know, have some issues. Uh, but yeah, I I understand that San Antonio is probably going to win and is you know a really talented team, um, and I think it's the a team that San Diego wants to keep in their. Um, in front of them as far as as where they're building uh, this is their first playoff uh, appearance ever same thing with uh, Oakland so I, I think San Antonio is a great matchup to kind of show uh, a measuring stick about where San Diego wants to continue to build toward yeah and I mean when we're saying they should win I think even the most extremes for us are like an 80-20 scenario where if this is it's the USL these teams all made playoffs they're good for a reason I mean, there is no guarantee that any of these teams win. So a lock might be, oh, yeah, we think they're going to win two-thirds of the time. And I think that so leads running, us to the most... Running out of yeah, games. Yeah, most debated game, I yep. think, of, of the playoffs. Phoenix is the RGV. Oh, yeah. Phoenix Rising and the RGV Toros, who, I mean, early on, RGV actually did look very, very good. But it's Phoenix, and it's Phoenix at home. So they're unbeaten you know. at home this year. Yeah, I mean to uh, stir the pot because I know there's been a lot of pot stirring around this match, um, from you know the the Devin Kerr show on ESPN Plus to some of the Rick Shots comments earlier today. Uh, 
The only thing I would say is Phoenix in the playoff, their history over the past couple seasons has not been the most convincing for a team that should be convincing in the playoffs. Uh, the only game that they technically won uh, was the over uh, the extra time goal against Sacramento. Uh, the rest of the time, the past two years, have all been advancing on PKs. Uh, so there is a little bit of a narrative that I think Phoenix might be wanting to shake. Uh, I have a hard time believing RGV is going to be that team to do it. Uh, but again, I mean, we've seen Austin Bold going to Phoenix, and it was a nil-nil game going to PKs. So. Again, stranger things have happened for Phoenix at at home, uh, but I, I think this is you know Phoenix's opportunity to to, to shake some of those playoff ghosts uh, and say, hey, we can win a game in just the ninety minutes. Yeah, I was I was at that Phoenix and Austin game in Phoenix. I actually went to that one, but yeah, I, RGV is just not played great. I mean, they on the road have won. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've won two of their last ten games on the road, and that was both against Real Monarchs. So this should be a Phoenix game that if they mess up, I think something went very wrong. This is one of those heavy favorites because RGV, they start out the season great, and if they return to that form, Phoenix could be in trouble. But they need to return to that form, which they have not shown any ability to do in the last three, four months. Yeah, their away record is um, right in between Sacramento and Austin Bold. Um, so not the greatest uh, road form. Um, they did have that surprising 4-1 victory against El Paso, but I think El Paso had was kind of uh, not playing uh, their full 100% uh, club. Um, you want them to do well because RGV has kind of turned the corner. They've gone independent and uh, has have regained uh, their you know playoff position, and you love to see that. Um, as far as hey, we we went independent and we were we had a really a pretty successful year, um, but yeah, this is going to be you know this is going to be a tough matchup uh, for sure. So that is a quick rundown of all the games that will be played from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Watch them as much as you can, ESPN Plus. And if you're listening to this outside of the United States, I think you can watch them on YouTube. So if anyone does that, cool. Lucky you. We have to pay for the games. But we are going to move into a Survivor League picks setup. So we did this a couple years ago. And not last year because COVID, you know, destroys everything. And ugh. But the basic premise is each week you pick one team that you think will win the game. And when you pick that one team, if they win, you advance. If they lose, you are eliminated. But there is a catch. If you pick a team, you may no longer pick them ever for the rest of the playoffs. So if you take Tampa Bay week one... You cannot take Tampa Bay again, ever. No matter how far they make it, you may never pick Tampa Bay again. This also creates a scenario where you technically could be in a spot where you have no legal picks. If the final is, let's say, Tampa Bay and Phoenix, and you've picked both, you lose because you cannot make a legal pick. So, for the three of us here, we will go through our picks, and for me, starting this off, we will also put up a 
survey or something like that, poll, etc. From I will do that probably by tomorrow afternoon, evening to the latest. So you could all chime in and make your picks, and we'll see who actually is the best survivor soccer winner person overall. But we'll make our picks here live, and I mean, if there's a major injury, we could we could change them because if we make a pick and then someone you know tears her ACL next week. That's not for us, but we hope none of that happens. And my pick for the first week will be Orange County beating Colorado Springs because I think that is a almost lock. And while I like Orange County, I don't think they're going to make the finals of the USL. They might make the West finals, but I don't think they actually could make the complete finals. Um... That's where I was leaning toward. Um, I think I, I think the past couple of times I've been pretty successful at this, and I think I started out west uh, for like the first round because it is kind of a uh, a little bit of a crapshoot at the beginning because you're not sure who's gonna have good playoff form. Uh, but I think I'm gonna join uh, Pony in that Orange County pick over Colorado Springs. Sorry to do this to you, but I'm going to take San Antonio as my first uh, survivor round pick. That's all right. I can be doubly. Says the person wearing the Miami jersey. I can be doubly. I can be doubly happy when if San Diego wins, because then <laughs> it's one less person I have to beat in the survivor pool, and San Diego gets to uh, head to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, this is a fun thing. Uh, if you haven't done this before, it is a pretty fun uh and it does get a little bit uh scary at the end uh when you're trying to pick and you forget you're like oh i've already picked them so i sometimes you're forced into a pick that you don't like Uh, i think in the finals a couple years ago um i think it was against um was it carl uh but it was basically my last my only i had only one valid pick uh, and uh, David Carl, that's who it was. He had only one valid pick, and it was opposite teams. It's actually really fun to kind of like now you have a rooting interest in two teams uh, that you. Um, I think it was I was the Louisville versus Real Monarchs, and I think uh, I had Louisville, and he had Real Monarchs, and he ended up winning. So, um, yeah, it's pretty fun when it gets to the end. It's a little bit crazy because sometimes you're rooting for a team that you didn't think you'd root for. Yep. So playoffs start. Well, I'm, I'm PST, so for me, all the times are PST. But Pacific Time, 6 p.m. on Friday, which would be 9 p.m. Eastern Time. So I guess you're staying up late if you're over there. But in the West, it's nice because we actually don't have to take off work early to watch the game. So be sure to check those games out. We will try to put up some more content as the season goes on and recap some of these games. But again, we've all had a lot of life-changing events for us these last few months so again we apologize for not putting these out on a weekly basis like we always wanted to but life gets in the way and when you have life get in the way of all of us at once this is what happens so we thank you all for listening coming back i mean surprise for the first time being in your feed for the last few months but we wish all the teams the best we wish all the teams who are no longer going to be existing in austin the best the 
staff there, the people in Queensboro. We hope they get back in the USL as fast as possible. And we hope you guys continue to listen to us for whatever we do in the future moving forward. And I guess in the immortal words of Evan, who was not able to be here tonight, don't be a dick and have a good night. <laughs>